Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. What's up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm actually here with Bloom doing the intro live. What's up, girl? What's up, Liz? You excited about this episode or what? Heck yeah. I feel like we put so many nuggets in here that I'm, my mind has been blown several times. It was a good one. We talk all about the holidays and I know that these times of the year can be really tough for myself. I know Bloom feels the same. This is me talking for her again. Mm-hmm. For those of you that are longtime listeners of the show, you know, I do that pretty often, but um, we talk about strategies and things that help us get through the holidays and navigate hard conversations um, with family members, with loved ones, with the people that sometimes those conversations can be the hardest to have. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think we also did a really good job of giving some very clear and actionable things that you can do around food during the holidays. Cause that is a pretty big point of contention for a lot of us. And I don't know. I just think it was a really good listen for anyone who feels like they're struggling with emotional eating or not being able to control those choices during the holidays. Yeah. And if you're not able to totally control all of those choices, we get it. We're human. That's totally fine. One choice that you can control is whether or not you download the NC Fit app. You get a free week. You get what is it? Three, three different workouts every day of the week. So what's three times seven, 21, you know, the reason that I can multiply by sevens so well is because I'm a big football fan. And I think of touchdowns in my head. I would never have, I didn't even know that that was in sevens. Well, I mean, with the extra point, yes, it's sevens. So I digress, but Not only can I count to seven a lot and the multiples of seven a lot, but it really helps when the first round of a workout is 21 out of a 21, 15, nine. All right. So get the app, get to train in, work out with us, work out in your garage, work out at a gym, work out with a partner, work out by yourself. We got you covered with the NC fit app bloom. Anything else coming up? I don't know. And NC fit's got a ton of stuff happening right now, but, um, if you haven't already, make sure you also subscribe to the EOE weekly because you get tons of insane gems of motivation, recovery, nutrition information, and you can stay up to date with anything else that is happening through the NC fit world. Hell yeah. All right, guys, that'll all be linked in the show notes until next week. Enjoy the show. So popular i'm not it's hotels really it's uber do. eats uber eats is like hey like we know you're hungry you know it's for sam's crispy chicken in austin that's how that much i've been to right. austin lately they're like hey you clearly need to order this right now yeah and i'm like uber eats i can't have gluten <laughs> can't have this fried chicken can't have it Bloom, you got married. I was just going to say, speaking of uh, gluten, Gabe ordered a bunch of pizzas the night of the wedding and nobody was there to eat them because everybody went home too early. Well, he ordered it too late. That's really what happened. Uh, But he ordered me gluten-free pizza. Oh, does the dairy still get to you though? Yes, but I could at least have like one slice. Now it's fine. Yeah. 
Um, can you explain to me A2 for a second? Because I'm very curious if I can have A2 dairy. Yeah. So some, okay. So A2A2 dairy milk is, it's just the proteins that are in the milk and they're more closely related to human milk proteins. So people that are, um, on like the lower end of lactose intolerant, where maybe like conventional dairy just doesn't do well with them, but they can still have some of it. They can have, um, A2A2 dairy and not have the same side effects as they would like, um, upset stomach, diarrhea, constipation, things like that. If you're like full-blown lactose intolerant, it probably still isn't going to be the best thing for you to have. But even I'm like full-blown lactose intolerant and I can have some milk without having any sort of reaction. I still will break out Mm -hmm. if I have like enough of it, but um, it's just supposed to be easier to digest. So people that don't do well with conventional dairy because it's so processed and the cows have been essentially bred so far down this line that they have, um, only a one milk proteins, which like humans really just can't digest. That's why a lot of people have trouble digesting that milk. Got it. Where can you find it? If you know, you're not like yourself and just so happen to have a cow that produces it, can't just walk outside and get the milk. Well, you can. So in Whole Foods, I know that they sell Alexander Family Farms and that's an A2 dairy milk. It's really hard to find because A2 is just such a newer like thing that is just not in a ton of places. But I do know that Whole Foods sells Alexander Family Farms and their A2 milk. Um I will say though, and this may be super controversial, but if you can get your hands on raw milk, you probably would have a better time digesting that than pasteurized milk that you get in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just because it's the full, like you have the full nutrient profile. So you have everything that milk is supposed to have. So it's a little bit easier for your body to work with those nutrients to break it down where pasteurized milk, sometimes it's stripped of those nutrients. So then your body doesn't have the necessary kind of like function to be able to break it down. Mm, Makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, that was just for my own curiosity. Um, I love it. Probably don't have to add that into the show, but um, honestly, people may need to know. The more, you know, wasn't that a thing? The more you know. That was the imagine, yeah, the imagine the rainbow. The more you know. Oh, right? the learning rainbow. No, is that what it's called maybe. The imagination the rainbow. rainbow is SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> imagination. I just completely. But isn't it a? I thought it was a um and not reading an NPR rainbow? thing. Maybe it was a reading rainbow. There is, the more you know, comes in like a rainbow with a star. The more you know. Mm, Yeah, you're right. All right. So it wasn't the two hands imagination. That was SpongeBob, but it is a rainbow. (laughs) I'm not wrong. (laughs) Bloom, how the heck was your, your wedding? You're married. Oh my. Again. Oh my gosh. My, Yeah. My wedding was great. And I have to tell you, 
I was really certain that I didn't need to have a wedding. I was like, we did the courthousing last year. Uh, it was great. I changed. I did signed all the papers. Like we were done with it for all intents and purposes. And I was, I think it's more like the planning piece was stressing me out a little bit. So I was like, I really don't need to do this. It's really going to be fine. But the weekend was amazing. And mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you were there for the pre weekend. No, we did not think it was going to come together, but I feel like everything came together really well. And anything that was missing, nobody even noticed. So it was great. I mean, I was there and I know what was missing and I didn't notice. Yeah. That's the thing. I was like, well, there we go. It's fine. Everything's good. Heck yeah. What was, um, so much of the stress going into it that you were like, I just don't know. Um, a big part of it, I think was like this weird pressure to want to make sure that like there was something for everybody. Mm, What do you mean? And like that everybody was going to be able to enjoy it. And I think at one point I had to kind of just drop that expectation that it's not everybody's wedding. It's my wedding. And as long as it's, it's such a cliche saying, but like as long as the bride's happy, everyone's happy. Yeah. I honestly think that it, it was totally fine. And truthfully, like there were a lot of things that I would have done differently now in hindsight. Like I definitely would not have DIY'd our wedding if I knew how much stress it was going to be going into it, but it came out exactly how I wanted it to come out. So it's kind of a little bit of both of those things, but I will say that it was a huge lesson in delegating. Mm, Yep. Was there not a point in the weekend where I was like, bloom, delegate. (laughs) Yeah. You were literally like, I just like distinctly remember it because you were like, somebody else was like, just tell me what you need to do. And you were like, bloom doesn't delegate. (laughs) And I was like, oh shit, you're right. (laughs) So then I started asking for help and it made a world of difference because it did not need to fall all on my shoulders. And it ended up being fine. Everything. Why was fine. do you think it was falling on your shoulders or why were you taking on that, that responsibility? Because, so I've been thinking about it a lot and I think it's because I really had a very specific vision of what it, what I wanted it to look like. And I was having a really hard time explaining what that was mm-hmm. because I kept finding like, So I would find things on Pinterest that I liked and I would find different pieces of things, but I couldn't put them all together. And it wasn't like I could just pull it out of Pinterest and be like, this is what I want because I couldn't find exactly what it was that I wanted. And so I was just like, I can't explain my vision very well to everybody. So I'm just going to like do it myself. But then I think the more that I was able to be like, I just had to practice some communication, you know? So like the more that I was able to be like, okay, this is what I want. And for someone to do it and come back and it not be perfect for me to be able to be like, Hey, that's not what it is, but let's tweak this one thing. And then, you know, coming back and forth like that. And I think that that is also something that I had to learn with business this year too, is like, it's not always going to look exactly how I want it, but I could give feedback and it will come back better. And you can always try something and then change your mind. Like I was talking with a girlfriend yesterday about this. Um, I was absolutely spinning out. I'll save listeners what I was spinning out on, but, um, I was like, I just, 
everything in my head was so like this or that black or white, like Mm. this huge kind of binary thinking. Right. And she was like, okay. Or like, cause you're not basically in a nice way. She said, you're not going to stop thinking this way because I've tried every intervention. She's also a therapist. So she uses that language with me. I've tried every other intervention to get you to look at this a different way. And I don't think we're going to change the way in which you're thinking, but know that if you make decision a or decision B and you get into that situation, it's not final. It's not like you don't have to stay stuck there. You can explore it and be like, Ooh, I don't want anything to do with this and completely change your mind. And that doesn't mean that you're not clear or you're not, you know, or that something you did was a failure. Like so many things Mm -hmm. can be successful when they're changed. Heck yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just what we build it up to be right. Like you're building something up to be worse than it probably was going to be. And I was doing the same thing. Like I was letting myself be stressed about things that ultimately made no difference, whether or not it went the way I wanted it to, or it didn't. If the flowers weren't the right color, one was going to notice except me because I was the one who set the color palette. Right. Like no one cared. Okay. Can we also side note though, how funny it is that that is the example that you used because listeners, Bloom was the least (laughs) directive when it came to anything color related. Okay. Fun fact. I was in the wedding. Also more fun fact. I was a solid like 12 inches taller than every other female in the wedding. Everyone else. Yeah. Fantastic. And most groomsmen. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. It's fine. I'm just, and I'm just short. I've been in the CrossFit world long enough to be like, I'm the <laughs> tall friend, right? There was volleyball, basketball, I was always a short friend. CrossFit, I am the, the, the mutant tall one. That's okay. This is the Amazonian. It's the not Amazonian a princess yeah. warrior. Um, but Bloom sent us like literally the rainbow. Like a, a <laughs> muted- not the rainbow. Okay. I'm also kind of colorblind guys, but I saw a lot of shades of colors that were like, it wasn't like, here's a green palette pick from this. It was like, you could have like rust or red or orange or blue or green or yellow. (laughs) And so we all showed up with different colored dresses, but it ended up looking like they all seriously perfectly worked because like had any of us been like, again, I'm colorblind. So maybe they didn't look as perfect as I thought they looked, but if it would have been like a couple shades off or a little bit different, it would have completely changed the vibe that I saw my experience of your wedding. (laughs) But that's the thing. Everyone kept asking me, and this is so funny because I think everybody had the same frustration with me, but everyone was like, give me a color to use. And I was like, pick one from this group. I will tell you if it's not right, but like pick a color. And then I'll tell you because I wanted everyone to choose a color that felt good to them within that color palette, because I wanted everyone to have a different color dress. And I didn't want to choose the color because if you don't feel good in it, you're not going to like enjoy that experience. So it was partially like, I didn't want to give too much direction because of that. But also I knew that if anybody picked a color that wasn't in the color palette, like I told 
my mom, she could only get specific colors Yeah, because she was going to go for like, I forget the color that she wanted to use. And I was like, you can't wear that color. <laughs> and then she tried to buy like a cream colored dress. I was like, mom, you can't do that. You're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, uh, that happened to me recently that the bride picked, um, I guess it was technically like blush or sh- I saw more like champagne. It looked almost off white yeah. to me. Um, mm-hmm. and I was my friend's best man. So we were, he and I were doing things all day and I was in this like seemingly white dress and all day long I was getting congratulated and I was like, it's not my day. It's like, I love, I love this guy. He's my best friend. Could never marry you, but like, it's not my day. So that that's amazing. Good call on not having your mom wear the off-white dress. Yeah. I was like, listen, you look great in that dress and it's too close to white. And I'm sorry, but you can't do it. <laughs> the compliment sandwich. Right. Exactly. The compliment sandwich. But yeah, so I didn't want to give everybody so much direction that it was like, you have to wear this one color because I also didn't want it to all be one color. I wanted everything to be like very, um, multi-tonal. And then everyone pa- panicked because they were like, that's zero direction. It was, zero. was very on brand for me. Confirmed. I bought like four dresses and then I was Which like, you sent me one and I was like, that's great. And then you sent me three more. And I was like, these are also great. Like Eight. one feels no direction. Great. These are great. Okay, great. They were, they were all great. And then, um, Monica bought the same, she bought the same dress, my maid of honor. She bought the same color in, I think she tried on like 12 dresses. I was like, these are all exactly the same color. I can't even tell the difference between all of them. And you sent me photos of them. Like I, you pick one because this is, I don't even know what to tell you. So if you had to do it over again, if people's chief complaint was, and mind you, I have an answer to this in my head, but I want to see what your answer is. If people's chief complaint was like wanting more direction, um, or whether that was on their dress or how the flowers need to look or any of those different things, how would you have communicated it differently if you had to do it again? Oh gosh. I don't know. That's a tough question. I love stunting. I love stunting my co-host. I know. I don't know. I think it's tough because um, it's one of those things that it seems like a really simple answer, but I don't necessarily think that I would do it. Like give an example of what I wanted and then maybe it's more just like giving the reason. Mm for why there's so so little direction. I think that was something that I probably could have communicated better to everybody, but I don't know. What do you think? I would have answered that really similarly. That was exactly when I paused and was like, I think I already have an answer to this, but I think it all comes down to how much sense things make in our head. And we articulate only like a fraction of that to the people around us. And so it creates this like frustration on both ends, right? It creates a frustration from the person receiving the communication because they're like, okay, like I get what you're saying, but it's so broad or it's so vague or it's so whatever that I can't actually carry it out in the way that you might want me to, or I don't feel like I'm like 
stepping up in a way. Mm-hmm. And then on your side, and you can totally stop me if I'm wrong here, but on your side, it's kind of like you see the vision, you're articulating, trying to like save time or not have to explain everything. But then if they aren't able to do what you're kind of articulating, then that also causes a frustration, even though it totally makes sense in your head. Right. It's like, well, why don't you, why don't you just get it? Why can't you read my mind? Which I think is like such a perfect segue into um, what we were talking about before the show. And that's like the holidays are here. Yeah. And I think that exactly what we were talking about right now not being able to read minds or wanting our family members or our loved ones or our partners or fill in the blank to understand and get us. And yet we don't fully express or communicate what's going on. Mm -hmm. It can be so tough because it's one of those things that, you know, you feel like maybe, or man, I don't want to project, but maybe it's like, well, why can't you just trust that I have Like I have it all figured out in my Mm. head, but that's just like not how people work. You know, like I think it is ultimately better to over-communicate because while yes, it takes a little bit more time, it saves you a ton of headache and frustration on that back end. And I think for a lot of people that could be, you know, the deciding factor between having a really great time with your family members or having like a shitty time and feeling just frustrated or overwhelmed or anxious the entire time that you're, you know, with the people that you're with. Yeah. How do you go about setting boundaries with your family members and loved ones? Cause I think people, myself included, have a really hard time with that. Yeah. I mean, I do too. I think it's something that I've gotten a little bit better about the past couple of years. And I think honestly that like the pandemic has kind of helped a little bit because I think a lot of people notice that they feel better when they have boundaries in place. Mm. Um, but a big piece of it is just like clearly communicating that I like, this is what I want to do, whatever it may be. So maybe it's like, I know that I feel really good if I can have 10 to 20 minutes of alone time. And whatever that looks like, however I can get it, I will take it. But being able to, you know, say that to your friends and family and saying it in a way that's maybe not feeling like they're the reason that you need a long time, even Mm -hmm. if they are, um, that's something that I've been working on a ton and I'm not perfect either. Like during wedding weekend had a few meltdowns where I was just like, I literally just need to be alone. And I finally acknowledged it, I think in myself. And I was like, listen, I'm just going to go remove myself from a situation for a little bit, whatever it may be. Like, I'm just going to go walk to my house or I'm going to go walk to the end of the street and back, or, um, I'm going to go sit in the car for five minutes, whatever it is. But like being able to acknowledge when you have those like needs or whatever the need is for you. I think that's really important. And like I said, I haven't figured it out either, but those are just some things that I've noticed have helped a ton um, and helped a ton when we were traveling a bunch, because that was another big thing, like being, being kind of pulled out of your routine, especially a lot of people are traveling now during the holidays. That I think is one thing 
that I talk to my clients about all the time is, you know, like if you can keep one piece of your routine, that's going to help you feel, um, that's going to help you either re-energize yourself or just, you know, feel down, even if you're not feeling super energized, that's okay. But like, can you just feel like a sense of calm at least? Yeah. Um, that's just, yeah, that's kind of what I've been working on. And that's, that's where I'm at. I don't know if you've got any others. Um, I think I would just expand upon that a little bit. Like, I think you hit the nail right on the head that identifying the need is so important because Mm -hmm. when we get thrown into, I think it's, um, shoot, who said, I think Carl Jung said something to the effect of like, um, you can think you're so like, if you think you are so healed, go spend a weekend with your family. Mm -hmm. And his reason behind that is because odds are your family, the people that you grew up with are the reason that you have the defense mechanisms you have, that you have the coping skills that you have that are the first one that when is, if there is stress applied to any sort of life situation, we are more likely to fall back on old patterning than move forward Mm -hmm. with a new tool that we've learned. And so it's like, you can feel woke as fuck and then go spend time with your family and be like, I need therapy (laughs) so much more than I thought I needed it. Right. So if you are finding yourself going into the holidays and you still find yourself triggered, you still find yourself emotionally aroused or whatever it may be, like you are not broken for feeling that you are totally normal. And Mm -hmm. that's why identifying what the healthy skill would be, or the like more healthy coping mechanism, right? Your, your defenses, your coping skills that you have had until this moment kept you safe. They played a really big role in your life. And now with healing, it's the, and like, yes, those things helped. And there's something that's more effective now. And it takes going in without awareness to be like, okay, if then, right, if this happens, then I'm going to do this and have that plan. Um, so I think those are the two things identifying what the new coping skill or for you, like what part of your routine, it helps ground you helps, helps keep you clear, um, in, in what you're going through and have a plan of how that's going to happen. Because when we go into like triggered States, all logic goes out the window. So if I can give some sort of like foresight into, okay, if I get into this really hard conversation, if I'm starting to feel my palms get sweaty, my heart rate starts to rise, all of these somatic experiences that are telling me I'm about to be emotionally dysregulated, then what plan am I going to put in place? And I think that too many of us become reactive around the holidays because we don't want to think about all the bad things that can happen, right? I get that that Mm -hmm. can cause anxiety. It can cause us not to want to go to the holiday function or be around our family, So I'm not saying like ruminate on it, but give it some thought so that you do have a plan going into it. And it's not just like sitting down with aunt Karen and she's asking you why you're still single for the holidays. And then you have to have a reactive response. Yeah. And that's something I talk about a ton with clients. And I love that you said, if then, because that's literally the guidelines that I use with clients when I'm talking about emotional eating, because it's the same thing, right? Like you hit the nail on the head with it's a coping mechanism. You've used certain coping skills, whatever that may be 
to get you to where you are. And it's okay to recognize when they're no longer serving you, or if it's time to use another, um, I don't know, another skill trend, whatever it may be. And that's something that a lot of people, I think, run into during the holidays is like not being prepared ahead of time with some of those alternate coping skills or coping mechanisms that they can maybe pull out of the hat. Cause I think it is a little easier said than done to be like, well, if this happens, then I'm going to do this without having some sort of practice or understanding of some of those other skills. Do you have any suggestions of skills or how to get like conscious about the fact that that might happen? Some some skills on other things to do besides like reaching for food, if that's like your coping mechanism right now, but then also, yeah, like how to actually put that in place. Yeah. So first I want to normalize that with any new skill, it is like practicing anything else, right? Like you don't just decide you're going to run a marathon and run a marathon the next day. You have to start with putting on your fucking tennis shoes. And then you have to start with walking and then jogging and then running. And then maybe you can't even run as far as you can jog. So you have, you kind of like regress a little bit and then you get, you know, the skill gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So with any of you, I don't, and myself included, I do not expect you to go into the holidays and be like, I am like trauma response queen. I know how to totally get over this. And like, I'm going to be a rock star. If you can let us know how you did that. I am the queen. I am the captain now. (laughs) Um, And so I just want to normalize that with any sort of practice, you're, (laughs) you're spending time under tension, right? Every one rep you get is towards creating that new response. So you might react nine times out of 10. And that one time that you respond differently is one point towards a new habit or a new way to respond. So um, even with any of these skills that we talk about, it's totally normal if you all of that goes out the window, right? I'm about to get really like kind of neurosciencey and nerdy right now, but that's just how my brain works. Do it. So um, maybe I'll try to include it on the show notes if I remember, but basically there is the hand I've done this with bloom before. There's like the hand model of the brain and what the brain does when it is traumatized or triggered. And there is trauma is so in the eye of the beholder. And so what might seem extremely traumatizing for me might be nothing for bloom or for any of you guys listening. So also don't judge the gravity of your response because if it's traumatic for you, it's fucking traumatic. And that doesn't mean that like, just because you had a really hard conversation at dinner and that doesn't seem as traumatic as, you know, something else that you're not allowed to have that sort of response. So when you're triggered or you're traumatized, basically all of the logic and all of the reasoning area of your brain goes offline and you are solely acting from the amygdala, the part of the brain that is connected to the brainstem, which is the most 
ancient part of our brain. We share that, that brain makeup with all reptiles. Okay. So it's like very ancient. It's the reptilian brain. If you've ever heard someone say that. So to react in an emotional way is like been in our system for a very long time. So if you react emotionally, there's nothing wrong with you. That's totally normal. However, when you are in that emotion side of the brain, you can look back on it after the fact and be like, damn, I should have responded like this, or I wish I would have done this. Why did I fight? Why did I freeze? Why did I whatever, right? It's because logic was fucking offline. So don't judge your response and know that that's why the plan is so important. Um, so I would practice it a lot. Like if you find that mm, it really bothers you that your partner leaves dishes in the sink. And instead of having that conversation with your partner, you passive aggressively do the dish and you make a lot of noise while you're doing it and hope that they notice that they fucked up and left the dish in the sink. Okay. If you take that same action to Christmas dinner or whatever holiday dinner you're having, you're probably going to get the same shitty response that you've been receiving since doing that skill for a very long time. So before you go, perhaps take those learning growing moments in your untriggered everyday life right now to be like, okay, I'm going to practice having a hard conversation with my partner. If that Mm. conversation escalates then I'm going to do a grounding technique, right? I love, um, I call them butterfly hugs. It's like bilateral stimulation. So you just cross your arms over, um, kind of like your, you know, mean mug and you have your arms crossed, but then you tap. So like my right hand would tap my left arm. My left hand would tap my right arm. Looks and like that, the Macarena. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. And that is basically making my left and right brain talk to each other. So if I am in a triggered state, it starts to, from a like neuroscience level, reconfigure the brain into an, mm-hmm. an more logical place um, where you can choose to respond instead of react. So anything that grounds you, um, if you typically sit with your legs cross-legged and you feel those somatic um, responses coming up, right? I mentioned sweaty palms, racing heartbeat. I get really big tension in between my shoulder blades. I, those are all physical cues that I'm about to like pop off. I'm about to have Mm -hmm. some sort of reaction instead of response. And so that's when I get really clear. I'm like, okay, are my legs crossed? I'm going to uncross my legs and put both feet on the ground. And then I'm physically grounding to this space in right here, right now. Um, another one I love to do is pick any color preferably one that is around frequently. Like right now I'm in a room that's got a bunch of mustard yellow, surprisingly. Um, So I might be like, all right, I'm just going to pick out everything in the room that has that color. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend the next like two minutes just searching around the room. So I'm grounded in my space. Um, I'm not off in some sort of triggered trauma response. Um, Those are some that help me. And when you're doing those things, no one has to know you're doing them. No one has, like, if you don't want to cross your arms at the dinner table, maybe cross your hands underneath the table and tap, you know, each quad, um, or look Mm -hmm. at different things in the room. No one that you're at the dinner table with has to know that you are grounding and, and using a new coping mechanism. I love that. I think that's such a huge, 
you know, like something that I don't think a lot of us think of. And I talk about it all the time in the context of food, but planning ahead, right? Like if you know every year, even before the holidays, even before you get to holiday dinner, whatever that is for you. But if you know that you're feeling more anxious, you're feeling more stressed, or you're just like the thought of being there, being with certain people is overwhelming to you, then why not try some of these things? Right. Because I think a lot of times we, we just kind of like fall into this pattern of, well, it doesn't matter. They're not going to change. So there's no point in having the conversation, oh, but maybe it's fuck. not. That makes me so mad. like, Oh, sorry. Yeah. You just hit a, a, I'm triggered now. <laughs> um, we have a triggered Lindsay. Well, you all have triggered me. Yeah. I'm looking around the room right now. If <laughs> you, if you are waiting on your family member, your partner, your father, your whatever to heal before as a prerequisite to your healing, you might wait forever. Yeah. It's never going to happen. Stop waiting for other people to heal. Stop. Stop doing it. Sorry. Go on as you were. I'm with you. Well, that's the thing is I think that's, I mean, it's the same though as like, well, I, I have to like get, I have to lose weight before I can go to the gym or I have to do X before I can work with a nutrition coach or whatever, like the reason is. And I think that it just comes down to like, there's never a better time than right now to do the thing that you want to do, because you're, if you're going to wait for some reason for X to happen, then you're probably going to be waiting forever. And if I had to guess, even if X happens, there's something, it's not X. That's not fucking it. Exactly. Like you are making a justification, you are rationalizing a poor decision and pushing that responsibility onto something else. Mm -hmm. And my guess is, okay, if I lost the weight, then I'd go to the gym, right? Well, what if you started losing the weight and you weren't going to the gym, you just had changed your diet and you were consistently losing weight then maybe your next justification is like, well, I'm already losing weight with what I'm doing. Why would I go? Yeah. So get clear on like, am I actually going to do the thing that I'm saying I'm going to do? Or am I finding a reason not to do it right now? Um, And what Mm -hmm. is that doing for me? What is that Mm -hmm. justification? What is that minimization? What is that intellectualizing doing for me right now? Um, because that's also a coping skill. Yeah. I read something, um, earlier today and I think it was in an email. I can't remember, but it was talking about roadblocks. And like, if you constantly are finding that there are roadblocks to whatever it is that you want to get done, you want to, um, train to run a marathon or you want to lose 10 pounds, these roadblocks, like I can't run the marathon because I've never run before in my life. Then like how can you remove that? Can you just start by walking? Can you, um, just start by getting a pair of sneakers, like whatever the roadblock is that you are allowing to stop you from whatever it is that you're trying to do, how can you remove it so that you can actually 
heal your relationships or lose the weight that you want to lose, or simply just not gain 15 pounds every holiday season because you can't have a conversation with someone. And so now you're using food as your coping mechanism, whatever it is. It just is um, this time of year. I feel very like torn because I have so much compassion for people that really have a hard time during the holidays because and it can be really tough for people. And I'm torn between that and under and the like deep knowing that I have that it's your choice, your opportunity to either like sit in that or do something about it. Yeah. And I and just get annoyed. I don't know what you just said again, Bloom and I say all of this with so much compassion and understanding and empathy yeah. in our hearts. And I think so much of kind of our heatedness around this is because we do want you to have the best holiday that you can have. And we do want you to be the author of your own story. Um, But what was coming up for me when you were saying that was if you're finding roadblocks, find ways to remove them. And oftentimes, and it's the hardest thing to self-reflect and look on, but like we are our biggest roadblocks. Yes. Bingo. And that's something that I think a lot of people have a hard time with understanding is that, um, and I say it in the context all the time of like overwhelm, overwhelm is a choice, right? Like we can choose to stay overwhelmed or we can choose something to focus on. And a lot of times we choose to stay overwhelmed because it's easier than potentially like making a change because we know what the overwhelm feels like. We know what our holiday season will bring if we just kind of let it be the same shitty experience every year, if that's your experience. Mm-hmm. Well, change we don't is uncomfortable. What it was. Yeah. We don't know what it's like on the other side of that. And so I have so much compassion because it can be really scary, but I also have so much like certainty that the, un- the discomfort you feel being unhappy with the situation is much worse than the discomfort you would feel in doing something different. And fuck, if you're going to feel discomfort either way, why not choose a new one? Yeah, that's where I'm at too. So what is something, what might a conversation sound like if someone was bumping up against a boundary that you have? how would you kind of start to address that? A lot of times that's around um, things that I don't necessarily feel the need to talk about in like big groups. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's, you know, like a boundary around conversation. And for me, it's been like, I'm happy to talk to you about this and in a different setting. Um, and that has honestly been the area of most boundary setting. I think for me, like, I don't like talking about politics. I don't like talking about certain things with larger groups of family members. And it's just because at some point, some people just want to argue. And I've recognized that in some 
people in not my immediate family, but you know, my extended family. And I love them to death. So if that is going to, you know, hinder an experience that I have with them, I'd rather not have it. And so I think that being able to understand the boundary, like why I uphold that boundary has been super helpful. But then that has been the conversation is like, um, I recognize that you want to talk about this. I'm happy to talk about this at another time, but like, this is not the setting. Okay. Follow up to that question. When you get clear on your boundary is the intention behind the boundary to keep bad things out or to keep good things in? It's really for me to like protect my own energy because I know that there are certain things that um, I do better at managing than others. And my reaction or my response to people in like the context of people getting heated in like a, an argument or a discussion is like a stop for me. Mm. Um, and Gabe will tell you all the time, like if he listens, if he's watching like a reel or something on YouTube and it's people yelling, I get like a physical response to it. And so that is, it's really just for me to kind of like maintain the energy that I want to maintain Mm -hmm. in my own body. Um, but also honestly, like it is a little bit of keeping like the negative energy out. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered that, but that's kind of where, where I saw that. Yeah. I mean, I think also that for people listening, um, boundary setting is really hard period. Mm -hmm. Like whether it's with family or financial boundary or boundary at work, it's a really hard thing. So anything Bloom and I are saying is not to be like, just try this or just do this. Um, and it goes back to having intention and being clear on your why behind it. Um, if all you are focused on is keeping bad things out, you are more likely to register the stimulus coming in as a bad thing and assert a boundary. Mm-hmm. And it, it just kind of has you looking at life through that intention, which if that's what works for you and that's what you need to do this holiday season, I totally get it. Um, for me, it's very similar to bloom. I always think about boundaries as protecting my inner peace. And for a lot of us, the holidays can be really hard and it can be really difficult to even find our inner peace or know what that Mm -hmm. is. And so doubling down on self-care at this time, I can't talk about enough because if I if my cup is full enough, then I'm going to want to keep that cup full. Right. And so I'm going to be more likely to register the conversation that I'm having more quickly as one that is depleting me, not filling me up or not adding, um, you know, so perhaps it's something like, um, I have a really hard one because I have a lot of food issues, right? I get a lot of gut stuff. I Mm -hmm. feel really sick. And so holidays, it was always a story of me being like, oh, well, like I'll eat the stuffing or I'll eat the dessert because it's rude if I don't, or I'll hurt someone's feelings if I don't, or I don't want to explain that I'm going to have explosive diarrhea if I eat that. So I'm just going to eat it and then have diarrhea later. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And I come from a big Italian family that just eats all the gluten and cheese you could possibly imagine, which mm-hmm. are like the two things I absolutely can't have. And there were even times when I was getting used to having that conversation when they're like, oh, it's one day, like what's one day going to do? And it's like, well, actually mm-hmm. like the inflammation in my body lasts a whole lot longer than one day. And I feel sick for a really long time. And I wasn't super comfortable having that conversation. I would like crumble into that peer pressure a lot more quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And so doubling down on my self-care, like, and maybe that was, I made my own side dish or I brought my own thing. And it was something that, you know, allowed me to just spearhead that conversation from the beginning. Like, oh, like what's that in your hand? It's like, oh, I actually have a food allergy. I'm really excited to share this meal with you and connect. And so I wanted to be able to do that um, as best I can and not feel sick later. And then boom, at dinner, like nobody was forcing stuffing towards me. Right. So Mm -hmm. knowing what protects my peace and aligning with that allows me to have those hard conversations from a place of like truth and love and understanding instead of trigger and defense and, and anger and frustration. Yeah. And I like that you use that example too, because I have a lot of clients that go through the same experiences where Um, you know, maybe we start working and this is with quite a few clients now, even like we started working together right before the holiday season and they're now going through, maybe it's, um, some form of a gut health healing, a gut healing protocol. And they have the same problems. Like they're recognizing that there are things that they do not feel good eating and, it can be really scary, I think, or, or, um, anxiety inducing to like, think about having that conversation, especially when there's things that, you know, they're traditional foods, you grew up eating these things. And then all of a sudden you're saying, well, no, I can't eat that. That causes a reaction in everyone around you. And Mm -hmm. so it can be, it can be really challenging. And that's, I dealt with the same thing for so long. And it was not until recently when I realized that, you know, there's another way for you to enjoy that experience. And it is bringing something with you that you feel good about eating. And I even talked to some of my clients, um, host Thanksgiving or host Christmas. And for them, it's a more of a conversation around, well, if you're hosting and you're cooking the majority of the food, what can you make that makes you feel good? You do not have to please other people just so that, um, you know, they feel better because that's going to make you maybe potentially feel worse, especially if it's around foods that you know already do not agree with you. And that I think I love that boundary itself of inviting people to try and experience things differently than making it be about something that you can't do or can't have. Oh yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do. I've done Thanksgiving for my family. I've done Christmas for my family and I have made meals that are 100% paleo. I'm not saying that is the diet protocol that you need listeners that you need to do. I just know that that works best with my body. Um, and it's kind of fun. Like I laugh and giggle to myself when they're raving about mashed potatoes that I made. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's paleo. Or like, oh yeah, you know, that actually has no dairy in it. 
or that was made with coconut oil, right? Like people, it's kind of my own fun secret to keep to myself and then have like a secret. I told you so. Um, but one of the things that you were saying, and I think that a lot of us do during life in general, but especially during the holidays is take responsibility for someone else's emotional response to your boundary. Mm -hmm. You cannot control that period. Yeah. And we try to control it by setting really loose, weak boundaries that will get pushed up against and pushed over almost every time we do that by trying to justify a boundary. Like I'm going to say no. And no, because da, 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 da. you don't have to justify a boundary. Like this is not me telling you to walk around and be a dickhead at the holidays. Like don't do that. But if you cannot do something or you are not willing to have a certain conversation or any of those things, you don't have to justify why you're not comfortable having it. No is a complete sentence. No. If you really want to like give a reason, no, I'm not comfortable with that is fine. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to say, I'm not comfortable with that because, and then launch into like teaching your aunt Sally, why what she said was inappropriate. Like that doesn't help anyone. Right. She's also mm-hmm. going to be pretty defensive when you do that too. So it is not your job to emotionally regulate the people that you are setting boundaries with. Yeah. You are your responsibility and you have to take care of that responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. All right. Switching gears. Question. What is something that an intention, right? There's a difference here between intention and expectation. What's an intention that you are going into the new year with? Ooh, wow. Last year, my intention was to be present. And this year, I think my intention is to, oh, wow. This is a hard one. And I I haven't thought about it. We didn't talk about this before the show, guys. So if you are stumped in your cars too, or wherever you're listening to this, that's okay. But we are very curious to hear what your intention is. So feel free to let us know. Yeah, we want to hear every, I want to hear everybody's. I want to know yours, Lens. I want to know all of our listeners. Um, I am still thinking about it. Lens, do you have yours? Um, I'm sure that this list will get larger, but the one that immediately comes to mind is I want to ask more questions instead of making more statements. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, and I think we all have a tendency to want to, to connect and to share common experience with people. Um, when they share something, you're like, Oh, something like that happened to me. Right. It feels like connection. And I think for some people that can also like, they just want the space held for them to explain their experience. Mm -hmm. And when you launch into something that happened to you, it, in my eyes, or at least what I'm kind of wrestling with is I think it actually like pulls away from that connection. If they ask for advice or they ask if anything like that has happened to to myself, then like feeling okay, sharing that but just being okay with receiving someone else's experience and asking questions Mm -hmm. instead of making a statement in return. I love that. 
Um, I think one of my intentions is to be stretched more, not like physically, but like emotionally, psychologically. Like I want to be put outside of my comfort zone more. Mm. I think this year was a lot of change um, and that was uncomfortable, but now that we're like settled, I want to like be in the space to learn more and to do more with that. Hell yeah. Yeah. More, you know, (laughs) we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. The rainbow. It Uh, was a rainbow. It was a rainbow and a star. And it was on PBS, not NPR. Ah, uh, all right, guys, we got to the end. Of, maybe it was Reading Rainbow. Was it Reading Rainbow on PBS? Probably was Reading Rainbow on PBS. I don't know, dude. I grew up in like the mountain in the woods. We didn't get PBS. I had it on VHS. <laughs> oh, nice. Throwback. Bloom, anything you want to leave people with going into the holidays? Anything we left out? Oh, I don't think so, but I just want everyone to know that you get to choose how you feel. Um, and it's not an immediate choice. Like you can't just choose how you react. Sometimes you get to choose whether or not you, you continue to allow that feeling or if you want to choose again. Boom. Boom. And sometimes your choice can be none of the above, but no, the inaction is also a choice. So, yeah. Um, cool. Happy cool. holidays, y'all. Enjoy. Happy holidays, you guys. I love you. We got big things coming uh, first week of January. So keep your eyes out. NC Fit's got big things coming. So exciting. I love it. I just, there's always something up the sleeves of the NC Fit crew, and it just makes me so happy. Every always. time I'm like, we're doing what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always. All right, Bloom. Catch okay. you soon. Love you, Lynn. Bye.